0: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. One of the most beautiful pieces of the Christmas story is in Luke chapter 2. And there was a meeting between the shepherds and, and Mary and Joseph and the Lord Jesus in his infant form. And it's recorded here. Of course, all of them had angelic dreams or visitations. And, and uh, then the message of the angels that was given to each of them was especially confirmed in their meeting. And this meeting would have been a really interesting meeting to be involved in. Let's read about it in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." So it was when the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, "Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us." And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them." Don't you love that passage of Scripture that tells the story of the angelic announcement to the angels and how they were given direction to go and to find the babe who would be in a manger with Mary and Joseph. And it must have been a powerful confirmation. This was a little uphill trip, by the way, because Bethlehem is built on a little crest of a hill. And so they're they're coming hurriedly uphill. And, uh, and, and they are exuberant in their enthusiasm and they're finding this uh, just like the angels told them. This was a confirmation to them. But it would also have been a wonderful and we know from study of the scripture there that it was a really wonderful confirmation to Mary and Joseph too. They just kept getting additional confirmations about what was going on. And so they have these shepherds that show up and the shepherds begin to relate to them. You know, Mary, can you imagine Is saying I had an angelic visitation too. Joseph said I had a dream, an angel in my dream. They said, you think that's a big deal? You should have seen what just happened to us. It was just amazing. And then they, this is of course my sanctified imagination, that they would have described to each other what happened in these angelic visitations, and then this would have been a confirmation to their faith. And then what's interesting is in the text here, it records their reactions. In particular, it records Mary's reaction. How does she respond? How does she react to to what she found out? And it records the reaction of the shepherds. And those are the the little pieces of the text that we're going to just kind of spend a little time looking at. Today, on Christmas Sunday right here, we're going to look at these treasured Christmas texts like we've been doing all through uh, Advent, through the month uh, last Sunday in November and throughout December. We've been just kind of cherry picking favorite treasured Christmas text from the book of Luke and looking kind of deeply into each one and applying those treasured texts to our own lives. And what we're going to do today is very, very simple. We're going to look at the reaction of Mary. How did she respond first? And we're just going to talk about that just a little bit. We're going to ask if we have a corresponding experience in our own lives. We're going to look at the reaction of the shepherds. How did they respond? How did they react? And we're going to ask if we have a corresponding experience in our lives. And then and we're just going to conclude that by, by, by looking. This is what the Christian faith ought to look like. Does it look like that for you? That's kind of where we're going today. That's kind of what we're going to do for Christmas Sunday preaching today. It's going to be a great day, isn't it? We've already had, a, we've already had fellowship. I noticed people... You know, exchanging gifts, and, and I know uh, Pastor Stephen and Pastor DeCerns, Mrs. DeCerns, and Lois and I are so very grateful for you allowing us to be leaders here and for your kind gifts that you give to us and the way that you treat us, which is really so very kind. People are so kind to us, and they often do nice things for us, and it makes us, it motivates us to want to serve you and, and to love you. We're so grateful. It, it's and that and, and I noticed that you guys exchanged gifts on Christmas Sunday. There's a lot of serious cookiness going on. Uh, there's stuff in my office that I really, if I ate it, would probably not be good. Um, so I'm glad that we have a couple of the college boys home who eat like vacuum cleaners. They just they just eat stuff, man. I, I say, hey, here, come. There's peanut brittle. And then the peanut brittle is gone. It's uh, miraculously, uh, it's gone. We're super glad. I saw Nick Arndt is back. Nick, there's a Nick up there. And and, and Nathan um, Casement, while we're right here in the middle of the message, Nathan is, are you, he's an army guy, a ranger, I think. Am I right about that? Am I saying that wrong? He's serving in the army. And he's stationed in Germany. And he's here. I think we ought to express our appreciation for his service right now. Would you stand, please? <laughs> stand up. <laughs> You're Nathan. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, uh, and we know we have others that serve that are stateside as well. And we're grateful for them, and, and we love them. And we're grateful for those of you who serve in public service for us to give just for the civil order that we enjoy in our nation and our nation is much in need. But as we, uh, we turn over and over again to texts like this, no matter what's happening in the world around us, they're a comfort to us. No matter what's happening in the world around us, they're instructive to our hearts. They do us good, and they orient our lives, and they anchor our families, and they instruct our churches just to go back to these old narratives that the Holy Spirit breathe for us to enjoy and for us to study. So uh, here in Luke chapter 2, I want you to notice Mary... Is, is filled obviously with wonder, but her heart is stirred to what I would just call worship. And it's described in the most beautiful way, as you see there in Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, it says this, and, and don't you love this, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Isn't that, that's got to be one of my favorite Christmas texts right there. Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. She had this wonderful experience with an angelic visitation earlier. She conceived as a virgin and bore the Son of God into the world. And then she had these mysterious shepherd visitors come and tell her of their experience in an angelic message from an angel and then a a multitude of angels. This must have been amazing. And it just quietly says that when she was confronted with this wonder, what did she do? She kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Now, if you have had a genuine experience with God If you have met God, if you know God, if your eyes have been open and you've been enlightened to who Jesus really is, then you understand, at least in some measure, what happened with Mary here. You just treasured those things and you think about them. The wonder of Christ, it leads to worship in your heart. Am I right? Think just for a minute about Mary. Her, her, Her wonder and worship were deep. It was deep in her heart. And the quietness of her heart. Not necessarily talking or doing something. What the Holy Spirit reveals through Luke here is that she pondered what happened. And she thought about what happened in her heart. A big part of genuine faith is the inner thoughts of your heart. What do you do in your secret thought life, in your secret heart, in the deepest part of you? It was deep. Also, this, this worship of Mary was quiet. It was just a quiet and, and peaceful Worship. It doesn't again say that she said anything, but in her heart she thought deeply about what was happening. And then, if you think about it, it was very private. Again, you know, we know about it because the Holy Spirit revealed it to us. But it was private. It was a private matter. There is an element of our faith when we've really encountered the living God, when we really understand who Jesus is when the message of Christmas really kind of sinks into our soul and it means something to us, that there is a stirring up of a private faith, an inner faith, a quiet faith, something that's deep inside of us that we only really can understand and we can't fully express or even talk about. That needs to happen, and it really does happen to everyone who really has had an encounter with Christ. So. I just have a question in my heart today. It's Christmas Sunday, and we've been spending all month getting ready for Christmas, singing about Christ, thinking about all these wonderful things, decorating our, our places where we live, and, and all of that. Have you had any quiet wonder? Have you had any thoughtful, deep, thoughtful, private reverence in your soul? Is, is there, what is the inner life of your soul? There's just something else I want to mention about that you can just see from the text about Mary's worship. It's interesting. And it's this. God noticed it. God noticed it. He put it in his Bible. So it must have been really important, right? So here was Mary not speaking at this point, not doing anything, not not necessarily giving anything, not making a big noise of any kind, but quietly in her secret thoughts that she didn't As far as we know, the text doesn't say she expressed. In her secret thoughts, she just quietly ponders these events in her heart. God then leans out over heaven and he notices this virgin mother and the thoughts of her heart. Think about that for just a little bit today. God also leans out over heaven and looks into the deepest part of your heart and he notices what you're worried about. He notices what the wonder. He notices the worship. He notices the questions. He notices the darkness and the light. He sees our secret hearts and he makes a note of that as he did with, with Mary. What is the inner life of your soul like? Think about that. What is your, your intimate life with the Lord? What's it like do you, have a, do you have a genuine experience with the Lord? Have you had a personal encounter with the Lord that's like meaningful to you? That's private. That's genuine. That's sincere. It's not for show. It's not for display. It's just the, just the reality of who you are. I mean, we all constantly think private thoughts, right? All of us do, all the time. Our minds are always running. Right now, you're thinking about, when's he going to quit? That's what you're thinking. I know some of you are thinking that, um, because that's what you do. Sometimes you're thinking, okay, I got this. Uh, Or Or you're thinking about, I wonder what's for dinner, right? I mean, our, our minds are always thinking crazy stuff, right? What makes our minds think what they do? But people of Christ, devoted followers of Christ, actually intentionally center their thoughts on Jesus, and they think deep thoughts, and, 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 that, and, and God looks on those thoughts, he makes a note. There is a private life of the soul for all of us, for all of us. And for some of us, I'm just saying, I think for some of us, maybe that's just too shallow and it needs to be deepened. Can I just gently, lovingly say to you today, as your pastor, as I've thought about you this week, I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if during Christmas I could encourage people to deepen the life of their soul, to think more deeply and with greater depth, about the wonder of who Jesus is. Then God would notice and he would make a note of that. And that'd be a really wonderful thing. You don't have to go anywhere to do that. You can do that in the cab of your truck. You can do that in your recliner. You can do that kneeling by your bed. You can do that when you get ready to eat a wonderful meal. You can do that when you receive a kind gift from a friend. You can do that. You can turn all those wonderful little gifts into worship. If you're a thoughtful, devoted person like Mary, Mary is a great example in this, and the Holy Spirit noted it, and we should note it too. There's the secret inner life of the soul. I wonder if you feel deeply a love in the favor of God. Do you have that experience? Do you ever have the experience of just a spontaneous sense of thanksgiving that's ever come to you? Just, a, just a, almost like a, a, a spontaneous thanksgiving that just overwhelms you? Have you, have you grown in your Christian life where Christianity is more to you than just what God demands of you and his absolute white-hot holiness, but also the favor that he's shown you through Christ, that he genuinely loves you, that he cares, even though he knows everything about you already, and the darkest things that we don't want anybody else to know, that he already knows those things. Can I ask you this? Are you at a point... And listen here, if you're young maybe, this would be really important for you to hear me on this, if you're young or old, but, and that is, have you had this experience in the life of your soul when maybe you're singing a song in church or camp, or maybe you're listening to a CD, or maybe again it's a time when you saw something beautiful in nature and you were overwhelmed with a sense of God's favor and love for you, even though you know it, that He knows that you're a really bad sinner? Amen. Mary had this wonderful experience, And we need to have this experience continuously. It needs to be the very thing that fuels our soul. You understand, we're not just people that turn over a new leaf. We're not just people that go to church and, and observe religious ritual. We're not just people that kind of check religious boxes for God. We're people that have the inner life of the soul within us that's available to us. And God notes it when that happens in us. He stimulates that in us. Have you had experiences like that? I hesitate to explain some of mine to you, because we're all so very different. And I hope you're different than me. I just really hope that's true. But I know that just from knowing people, that our emotions are different. And the way that we respond to things is totally different. God wired all of us differently, but all of us have a secret inner life of the soul. And I wonder what the inner life of your soul is like. Do you have this sense that God's favor is on you, if you're a believer? that His grace is on you, that He loves you, that He likes you, that He's on your side. If God is for us, who can be against us? Has that occurred to you? Maybe not, because maybe you're not converted yet. And when you are converted, and you, and you put your faith and trust in Christ, and you're justified by faith, and you no longer have to pay for your own sins, but you realize that Jesus paid for your sins, this ought to be your experience. So your Christianity shouldn't be just about the duties that you perform. And there are duties to perform. It shouldn't just be about the rules that you keep, though you will impose rules upon yourself, I'm sure. And God has them. It should be so much more than that. It's a relationship of love. It's a relationship of kindness, of gift, of grace. God wants you to know that he adores you, that he loves you. When I look at that pew over there, and, and it's emptying out and the kids are going away, you know, when it's all full of my kids, then I've been watching Lois, she and I both feel the same way. They're going to be all here for one little moment of time around Christmas. And the one thing we want them to know is how much they're loved. We want them to know how much they're loved. We're also going to give them some instruction, you know, as they go off in life, you know, and uh, look out for this and don't do that. And this is not something you probably should say and all of that. But, you know, that the one thing that we, we want them to walk away from our home, with the lingering fragrance of our love upon them. Because we're parents who love them. And we're not as good as God. God wants you to have the fragrance of God's love and mercy lingering around your life all the time. He wants you to drink it in. He wants you to sense it and feel it. He wants you to have the experience of affections for God. I like Fernando Ortega's music. And um, I was out one day uh, on an evening, and and I was in a Christian bookstore, and I heard... Fernando Ortega's singing and it wasn't a recording I'd heard and I have them all memorized. So I'm like, what is that? I went up front, I said, What what is that? She said, That's Fernando Ortega. I said, I've never heard that before. They said, It's his brand new album. I get I didn't know he had a brand new album, you know. So what kind of a fan am I? And so I said so I bought it, and I'll never forget that night, taking that CD and putting it in my car. And I had a long drive across the western suburb of Chicago, and I'm listening to this beautiful worship CD. It was just it was beautiful music, and it's like one of my favorite singers. Except my own family, you know, and and, and Pastor Stephen and, and and Michelle and, uh, and and so I got the CD in there, and I listened to that, and, uh, and I thought, "Oh, this is nice, uh, this is beautiful." But then I had this one of those moments that you can't arrange ahead of time of a sense of God's great love, His kindness to me, His mercy on me. And I'm driving this little beat-up Buick. It's an old Buick. I got this CD in. I'm driving across the busy western suburbs of Chicago, and I remember just feeling this powerful sense of God's love for me. I was out of town speaking the other night, and um, I was, laying, I, was, in, I, was laying, I was sleeping in a place where I don't normally sleep, and, and I was waking up and thinking about what I was talking about, and I had three hour-long talks to give and a lot of talking to do, and they were they were important, and I wanted to, to do a good job, and I kept waking up in the night, and at first it bothered me because I thought, well, you know, I need to get my sleep if I give these talks— But then an idea would come to me and I would like speak it into my phone so I wouldn't forget it. And I'd set my phone back down and then another idea would come to me and I would speak it into my phone. After a while I just laid the phone down and I began to realize God was interrupting my sleep to have fellowship with me. And to express his love for me. And it was just sweetness of just being there. I remember one night uh, taking our family to, the, to some cabins and, 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 uh, that we used to stay in. And, and laying up in the, in the loft of the cabin. And, and the cabin was heated by, it was in the fall of the year, and the cabin was heated by a wood fire. And I had told the kids stories at night, and then I fell asleep trying to pray. And then I woke up in the night because the cabin was starting to get cold. And I went downstairs, and I started to put wood in the fire again. And I felt these two little cold hands on my shoulders. It was Daniel. He was a little boy at the time, and he'd gotten up to be with me in the night. And then we just talked for a while, and then he went back to bed, and he went to sleep. And I stayed awake for a while and prayed a little bit. And then I went back upstairs in the loft, and I laid down, and I couldn't go back to sleep. And for the next like hour, I sensed that God's just love and His favor and His kindness and His mercy in my life. And I just thought about His goodness to me, even though I don't deserve it. That's called grace. And it, here's the way I guess I want to express it. I don't want to confuse anyone spiritually, but you ever have, like, warm feelings about Christmas? Even since you were a kid, just, like, inexplicably warm feelings about Christmas? Raise your hand if you you understand what I'm talking about. Like, you know, goodwill and love and kindness. I even think, like, a lot of people in our culture get hints of this. And and here's what I think is sad. We have those feelings, and a lot of times we're disappointed, or they don't kind of work out. You try to create these experiences and try to make them all land on this one day, and of course this has got to be all this, and it's not usually all that, because you got that weird brother-in-law, you know, this drunk or whatever's going on. And so it's kind of weird. and, and so Or you got the, your mother-in-law, and you're mean to her, and so she gives you the look, you, you know what I'm saying, or the turkey burns, or, or whatever is going on, you're looking at me funny. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about, right? It, you just can't make everything land on that one day just perfectly. I remember one time the kids said, "All we want for Christmas is is uh, we got someone. They were getting older; they were like teenagers. So I said they just wanted clothes, and you can get better deals on clothes after Christmas. So I remember we just give them money. I remember that was the worst year, wasn't it, Lois? It was just horrible. So the kids were really nice about it, like, "Oh, go thank you." Then they went over and sat on the couch and kind of looked there, like. I was like, "Yeah, that didn't work out too well. We're not going to do that anymore." And it just, you know, sometimes it's just hard to make Christmas work the way it's supposed to work. You know why I think that is? Here's what I believe, and this is just my theory. I think that God is tugging our hearts Godward, and this whole idea of love and generosity and giving and worship and all the stuff that kind of we populate Christmas with, those are not pagan ideas. Those are Christian ideas. The very idea of, of giving and peace and glad tidings and love and forgiving people, doesn't it sound like you're reading the Bible, right? that christmas spirit if you will that's those are really christian things that only come to people as a result of the work of the holy spirit in their life and they're not to be isolated to one day not ever god never intended for us to just isolate those things to one day so you see what i'm saying to you that thing that elusive thing Sense of feeling that we're kind of maybe even looking for at Christmas time, God never intended for us just to get that to land on one day. God intended for us to have an ongoing sense of fellowship and deep fellowship with the Lord that goes all the time. It's not a Christmas feeling. It's a Christ feeling. It's a Christian feeling. It's a godly feeling. It's a fellowship that you can have. Bethel experience. Jacob, right? He's he's a jerk. He does really bad things, and he rips off his brother, and he deceives his father, and then he has to get out of town, and then when he lays his head on the rock there in genesis 28 what happens in his life does god judge him and kill him then like he deserves what happens to jacob when he's fleeing for his life because he's been a jerk what happens to jacob god shows up in his life He's having a dream and and he he wakes up and he says, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And he makes the place into a holy place because God wants to meet with people and he wants to show his favor, even a knucklehead's like you and me and Jacob. That's wonderful. Isaiah knew that he had a problem with his tongue. We wouldn't have known this except in Isaiah chapter six when he meets the Lord high and lifted up. The first thing he says is, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble because I'm a man of unclean lips. All the things that I've said. Think about this just for a minute. I'm going to give you a little teaching from Isaiah 6. And I want you to notice some things about what it's like to have an encounter with God. Would you like to have an encounter with God? Would you? Okay. Here's what it, here's some elements that you can see from Isaiah 6 about having an encounter with God that can be done at Christmas time or anytime. First in Isaiah 6, when he sees the Lord high and lifted up, the, the train fills the temple. He has an over number one, he has an overwhelming sense or awareness of God's presence. You want that, and you want God to reveal Himself to you. You want an overwhelming sense of the presence of God. God is here. If it hasn't been your experience, I don't mind telling you, you ought to be open to that experience, an overwhelming sense of the presence of God. Now you're going to say, well, how am I going to know it's really God and not something else? Well, keep listening. In Isaiah chapter 6, he also says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. You have an awareness of God's holiness and an awareness of God's glory. If God shows up in your life, you will have an awareness of his presence and you'll have an awareness of his holiness, like a deeper awareness of his holiness than you have normally would have. So that's the way it always works. God shows up, then you see him as holy, and you see yourself as sinful, and that's the third thing. You have an awareness of your own unworthiness. This is always true when God shows up in your life. It's always true. First, you have an awareness of his presence. Second, you have an awareness of his holiness. Third, you have an awareness of your own sinfulness. Isaiah says, Woe is me, I'm ruined. In Isaiah 6, 5. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then you will have, in addition to that, an awareness of God's gracious forgiveness and his grace. So, get this now. Sometimes people say they want God to show his favor to their life without an awareness of his holiness or their sin. But it doesn't work like that. You don't just do good things for God or nice things for God. He doesn't just show up and say, you're okay. You're not okay. You're not okay. Jesus didn't have to come if you're okay. Thank God, because we're not okay. Jesus did come and he's more than okay. And he set in motion this redemptive program which made it possible for us to match God's holiness and our sinfulness, which Isaiah sees, the holiness of God, and our own sinfulness. Think about it like this. If you really are gazing into the trueness of who God really is, you have to be aware of his perfection and his demands of perfection in your life and your own falling short of those demands, right? That's even true if you already know the Lord. This is just always true when God shows up in your life. But then, in addition to that, immediately you have this message of the gospel that that lifts the burden and of, of our sin And makes us aware of God's uh, grace and his graciousness. This is like an area of your life that if you haven't gotten to it yet, you don't have the full Christian experience. And this should be happening to you all the time. An awareness of... Are you tracking with me on this? This is like really super important. An awareness of God's grace. Now, how does God do that with Isaiah He touches him with his lips with a coal from the altar. It's really kind of a picture of Calvary. It's a picture of God's redemptive work. A sense of cleansing and love and favor of God to cleanse Isaiah's lips. One of the seraphim touches his mouth with a burning coal from the altar. The hot coal symbolizes the sacrificial system of atonement through which God granted his people forgiveness. This is a picture of the cross. And this always has to be a part of a genuine experience with God. And then, then with Isaiah, what else happens? So he has this awareness of God's presence. Then he has an awareness of God's holiness. Then he has an awareness of his own sinfulness. Then he has an awareness of God's favor, the redemptive work of Christ. And then what, what does he have? He's commissioned to go do something. Right? He's commissioned. Oh, who, who will I send? Who will go for me? Here am I. Lord, send me. Now, can, can I ask you this? Is that the way it is for you? Like in your actual experience with the Lord, do you have a sense like God is here? Do you have a sense like God is holy and I'm not holy? But God gave, us, gave me his son Jesus, so therefore I have a position of favor with God because of Jesus. What do you want me to do now, Lord? How can I serve you? There should be a depth. Larry Crabb has a funny name, but he's a really good guy. And he's a, a Christian uh, psychologist. He's a really solid, biblical, sound guy. He has a son... And, and it's a public story, that his son had some real serious problems. As a matter of fact, he had a failed marriage. His wife left him. And it just broke his heart. It crushed his spiritual life. It just crushed him. And, of course, it crushed Larry Crabb, too. He and his wife were just broken for their son, who was broken because he, his marriage failed. And, and during this period of time, his son just couldn't seem to get any signals from God, couldn't seem to get any sense of God's aware, awareness of God in his life. He just so crushed. He was just so broken. He was just so hurting. He went away, and his dad said to him, Son, what I will do is your mother and I will pray for you. We'll just set aside a, a period of time like 15 minutes a day. And while you're gone, we will really pray for you, that God will help you during this horrible time in your life when you're going through this. So he went away to a faraway place near, near the ocean. And every day, he got up, and he had no desire to read the Bible, and he had no desire to pray. Sometimes he kind of forced himself to go through the motions of that. He had no sense of the presence of the Lord. He just watched television. His dad would pray for him. But one day, he got up. After he'd been there a couple of weeks, he got up and he began to walk along the beach. And while he was walking along the beach, suddenly God just revealed himself in his life. And, he, and here's how it happened. He, he began to think about his childhood. He began to think of a hymn from his childhood. And he gets, as he's walking along the beach for two hours and praying, he's saying, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with you. Pardon for sin. You know the song, right? And we got done singing that song, this is the psalm that came to his mind. It was a chorus. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. O my soul, rejoice. And then when he got done singing that song, the next psalm that came to his mind was It is well with my soul. And so he sang these three psalms over and over again for two hours. He had a sense of powerful fellowship with the Lord while he sang these three psalms. His dad is in Colorado at this time, and he's driving to an important meeting. He has a long trip to make, and that morning, he felt like the Holy Spirit gave him a sense that he ought to pray in an extended period of time for his son. So as he's driving along, his heart is just broken for his son. He's going to this meeting in Colorado. He's driving through the mountains, and all of a sudden, a song comes to his mind. And he begins to sing that song. And a song that God brings to his mind is, Great is thy faithfulness. He can't even keep driving, so he pulls his car off the side of the road. And weeping by the side of the road for hours, he sits and he sings, Great is thy faithfulness, O oh God my Father. And then God brings another song to his mind. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. O oh, my soul, rejoice. And when he gets done singing that song, God brings another song to his mind. And the song is, It is well with my soul. And he sings, It is well with my soul. These three songs. He and his son get back together, and can you imagine the powerful confirmation that both of them had heard from God and met with God that came to them when they realized at the very same time of day, though they were thousands of miles apart, that God brought the same songs to their mind. God is real. And he really cares about our problems, our hurts, our heartaches, our sins, our guilt, our shame. He sent his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he doesn't just want us to keep some duties. for him. He wants us to live in ongoing fellowship with him. And then there was the response of the shepherds. The shepherds' wonder stirred them to an outward witness. As you can see, I haven't left myself lots of time for this. But I speak a lot about evangelism. Notice here in Luke chapter 2, in, in verse 15, and so it was when the angels had gone Away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's now go to Bethlehem. See this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They came with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger, and when they'd seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And everybody that heard these things, they they wondered, they praised God. So think about this. Here's Mary. What was her response to this encounter with Jesus and with the shepherds? And it was wonder. And what, where did it lead to? Worship. And that was quiet and it was inner and it was real. The the shepherds, on the other hand, there was like, go, go tell everybody, you know, make some noise. So sometimes wonder leads to worship, right? and that pleases the Lord, and it's good, and it's private, and God takes note of it, but sometimes wonder leads to immediate witness, go tell somebody, you are a witness, these guys were not seminary students, and it's cool to be a seminary student, they weren't seminary students, but they had what even a seminary student didn't have at that point, they were a witness, they had seen something other people hadn't seen, you have a unique experience with God, and when you meet him in your own unique experience, you become a witness, even if you don't have formal training, even if you don't know the right words to say will you be a witness are you a witness you see i can tell if you have had a genuine deep experience with the lord because if you have had a genuine deep real experience with the lord then you worship god and you witness that's the way it always is but if you don't worship and if you don't witness then i have news for you and it's good news there's more to god than you realize that there is There's more to he and you together than you ever realize. Because when you meet the Lord in a genuine way, then you will naturally, this wonder will lead to worship. And this wonder will lead to witness. And that's the way it was. And this is true everywhere. I'm in Hinsdale, Illinois, a couple years ago. And I go there. I have a little extra time. So I go to Einstein Bagel. I get the hazelnut vanilla coffee, which is just like... ah amazingly good so i'm just having this coffee and i open my new testament did you like that yeah and and i open my new testament and i lay it down there and i go get my hazelnut vanilla coffee which is a sacramental act and so i get in my coffee it is and i'm coming back over and 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 it's this guy and he's a very black guy very dark black african guy he comes over and he goes is this your bible and i go yes he goes you're a christian And I'm like, you could tell he wasn't born in this stage. You know, he goes, you're a Christian. I go, yes, I am. He goes, I'm a Christian too. And then he just starts bubbling. You know, I don't know what I would do without him. I love him with all of my heart. I'm like, that's exactly how I feel about him. It was the coolest little exchange right there. And then he went back to work. I'm like, that was awesome. It happened to me again this week. I go to the bank. There's a lady there. She happened also to be very dark skinned black lady. And I just greet her. I say, hey, how are you doing? And we talk for a minute. And when she speaks, I can tell she wasn't born in Michigan. So I say to her, where were you born? And she says, Nigeria. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And, and, I, and so as we walk out through the parking lot, I kind of follow her out on the parking lot. And I talk with her a little bit more. And, and, and before too long, it becomes apparent that both of us know the Lord. And she does the same thing. She just lights up And she testifies. She's standing there in a parking lot of the bank, just testifying of her love for the Lord. I love Him with all of my heart. I don't know what, almost like the same script, I don't know where I would be without Him. I don't know what I would do without Him. I went calling this week, and I sat in the home of a dear older saint in our church, going through some difficulty. She says, I've been walking with the Lord since I was a little girl, and I don't know what I would do without Him. Can I get a witness on that? Is that true? Is that true? Of course it is you can't help but be a witness if you really have met the Lord that's just the way it works that's how it is I was in Cracker Barrel because I like Cracker Barrel too we went and got our, our Christmas tree and we're on our way back and we go to Cracker Barrel. This is not in a commercial or anything. We go to Cracker Barrel and they got this really cool open fire there, right? So after we eat, you know, you're kind of feeling that sense of well-being. We got our Christmas tree and some of the family's in and we're gonna, we're, we get done eating and I'm walking past and there's an older guy standing there and he's warming his hand by the fire. And I go stand next to him and I go, I just look at him, I go, let's just move in here. What do you think? We should just live here. They would bring us good food and we can warm our hands by the fire. And when he talks, I can tell him, He's from Kentucky. And I love to talk to people from Kentucky. I go, you're from Kentucky, aren't you? What are you doing around here? And he goes, well, my son died and today was his funeral. I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that. And then I said to him, do you know the Lord is your Savior? This, I said it, absolutely. You know what he said? I don't know what I would do without him. I don't know what I would do without him. I don't know that guy's name. I don't know anything about him. I just know he's from Pikeville, honey. He's just like me. That old hillbilly and I are just alike that way. I don't know what I would do without him. I don't mind everybody knowing it because I really have met him and he really has done that mysterious work in my life that I could never describe. I could never explain, but he's real and I know it and I'm happy to tell about it because I've been a witness. When you have the wonder of the newborn child in your heart, you also just want to be a witness, even if you're not an extrovert. So you see what I'm saying? Genuine faith is not only wide, it's also deep. It's deep and it's wide. It's deep, inner, private, and it's also public, and there's a display to it. When you really know the Lord, then you know Him, but you also want to make Him known, right? When that's really true about you, it's like a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine says in their church, we want to make not just more disciples, but more and better disciples. It's the same thing. It's deep and wide. It's know him and make him known. It's worship and witness, right? It's both. That's so I'm just saying to you, while you're kind of like flirting with Christmas and the Christmas spirit and all of that nice stuff, can I suggest to you that if you have an encounter with the Lord, you'll go so much deeper Young people, has this been your experience? That you genuinely love the Lord. You would never leave him, never walk away from him. And you got to talk about him. I, I got an email. You know, a, a guy that's here in a building right now that most of you know, his dad took his own life. When he was only 12 years old, they found him floating in the Detroit River. His mom encouraged him to go off to church. And for a couple of years, he went to church. And at the church, they gave him a Bible. He drifted away from the Lord, and he drifted into trouble and drugs and alcohol and other things. But he kept his Bible. He always kept his Bible. He drove, you know this part of the story, probably he used to drive back and forth on Telegraph because his drug dealer lived down south of here. And he would get his drug from this drug dealer, and sometimes he would smoke pot with a drug dealer. And one day, they didn't have papers to roll their marijuana cigarettes, so the drug dealer starts to tear a page out of a Bible. And he said, no, I can't do that. And God drew this in his own testimony. He said, I'm sure I was demon-influenced, demon-possessed. I wanted to take my life, every day of my life. But Jesus came into Gary's life and changed his life. He is a precious Christian man who loves the Lord. And he's one of our ushers. And he can give testimony. (laughs) He can give testimony to the fact that Jesus, he's a witness to the fact that Jesus can do what nobody else can do. He sent me an email one night. He sent me a couple. A number years ago, he sent me an email. It was precious. I held on to it because it's valuable to me. And here's what the email said. It said something like this. Pastor, this is the first email I've ever sent anybody. But he said, I work third shift at an automotive warehouse. And I was on my way to work the other night. And I saw a bright light in a dark night. He said, while I was pumping my gas, I looked over and I was surprised to see that you were standing over there, and you were witnessing to a guy. There's a fellow named Samuel that hangs around a gas station that I go to. And uh, and uh, I was talking with Samuel in order to open his heart to the gospel. But I didn't know it, but Gary was there, and he saw me. And you know what Gary did that night, which I love this when I think about it? Gary saw me and assumed I was, that conversation was witnessing. And that stirred his heart to witness. So he, re- he remembered, I have... Um, I have uh, tracks in my glove compartment or in the console of my car. Is that the way it is, Gary? Yep. And it made him want to give these tracks away. So he gets in the console of his car and he gets a track and he gives it to the next guy over at the next bump. You know why? Because Gary has had a genuine encounter with the living God. And so his heart worships him and his lips speak of him. And I trust that this Christmas you'll have that experience. Now we're going to sing a song. I love this old Appalachian carol that Pastor Stephen has picked for us. It's called Go Tell It on the Mountain. But some of you, maybe you're not ready to go tell it on the mountain because you need to know that you're born again. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to open this as an invitation while we sing. As we stand and we sing this song, if you don't know the Lord, I want you to come and I'll, we're going to explain to you how you can know that you're right with the Lord. So let's stand together and sing. Go tell